So, uh, good morning, everyone. I didn't get to fully introduce myself earlier. My name is Christian Kuhn. I am the pastor here in our community, and um, my pronouns are he and him and his. Uh, good morning again also to our online folks. It is great to be with you here this morning. So uh, it is the season for lots of different things. I've mentioned uh, decorating all kinds of different things uh, in our lives. Tis the season also for Christmas cards. Uh, and so I know we've already started to receive a few. Uh, the go-getters have already gotten theirs out, so well done you. Uh, if we can get ours out so that people receive them by December 25th, that'll be great. If not, I always say 12 days of Christmas, you got till January 6th. Uh, so that's, you know, <laughs> epiphany. So if you haven't done it yet, no worries. Um, but it's always interesting over the years to see the lovely photos that often come with these Christmas letters and also either a letter, full letter, or a little blur, maybe people giving you a sense of this is what's going on in my own life. Uh, and I've noticed over the years that there is a consistent theme with these. Certainly there is the update, but there is one thing too that it seems like almost every letter or card uh, lifts up, and we do this as well. Anyone want to guess what that one thing is? <laughs> That's a really good, uh, I was like, thinking like much more uh, pedestrian and elementary there, but travel. Like usually somebody will mention this is where we've gone this year. And so they'll either put photos up there. Uh, we have on our card this year, it's a picture of us in Northern Ireland. So we do this as well. So folks kind of share, this is where we've gone this past year. Now, perhaps even more so, they're doing it now because the last couple of years, of course, there has been no travel. Two years ago in 2020, I wrote kind of a funny letter saying, uh, the travels that we did this year were going to the grocery store. Uh, and even then I wondered if we needed a passport. But now people are free to go and travel, and so they are sharing those photos and those memories about those experiences. Uh, perhaps also we share those things because maybe there's a part of us, many of us, who feel like we're an explorer of sorts. We want to experience new things. We want to meet new people. We want to taste different kinds of food, and so we want to share those things with others. So we are on the move, but Usually, when we talk about being on the move and traveling, it is by our own choice. We have the freedom to do so. We are part of a faith, for those of you who follow Christ or consider yourself Christians, we're also part of a faith that is on the move. Talks often about active uh, going on and moving into what God has called us to be. So we know perhaps the very end of Matthew, Jesus tells his disciples to go therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. Earlier in Matthew, after Jesus was baptized, it was said that Jesus was led up by the Spirit. So right after this amazing experience, he then goes off into the wilderness. He's on the move. Uh, we will read the Luke story of this Christmas, too. And it says, when the shepherds saw what had happened, the angel, it said, they went with haste. So they were on the move hurriedly to figure out what is it that we just saw and what is it that we are about to experience. So often, if this happens time and again in our uh, lives and in our faith, that people are on the move, usually because the Spirit has led them or they have made the decision to do so. However, we also see examples in the scriptures where people are on the move, but it is not by choice. 
and they are, in a sense, displaced. And again, that is the theme of our sermon series, as we're thinking about people who have been or gone to a place, sometimes by choice, sometimes not. We're talking about those who are seeking, uh, seeking to be immigrants, those who are experiencing homelessness, and today we are particularly thinking about those who are refugees. Often they are on the move, but not because they want to, but because they are forced to. We have examples of this in the scriptures too. Noah escaping the flood, David escaping from Saul, and today's passage as well. Verse 13 says, Now after they had left, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Here we are, active, get up. Take the child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. So they are on the move. They are moving, not really by choice, but in order to save their own lives. So we see too in our world these days that not every decision to be active, to be on the move, to go somewhere, to explore, not every decision to do that is voluntary. So many are on the move or go somewhere because they are forced to, either because of violence or because of climate change, and many other reasons as well. So we are focusing on refugees today. Amnesty International defines a refugee as this. A refugee is a person who has fled their own country because they are at risk of serious human rights violations and persecutions there. So we may hear of refugees. We may see examples of this on the news and our hearts break for them. But I think sometimes, at least I'll speak for myself, sometimes I don't really fully sense the impact, the number, millions of people in our world who are experiencing this, this kind of displacement. So we have, uh, first I want to show you, for the people who like statistics, we'll show you some statistics, but then perhaps even more powerfully we'll show you a quick video of some people who are experiencing this kind of displacement, refugees. So, Becky, if we could show the first slide. So this gives you a sense, this is from the United Nations. This is from the United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees. So this was at the end of 2021, 89.3 million people, 89.3 million people were forcibly displaced because of persecution, conflict, violence, human rights violations or events seriously disturbing public order. Let's just sit with that number for a moment. 89.3 million people displaced in our world. So a couple of other uh, slides to show you kind of where they're coming from and who is taking them in. So we can show the, the next slide, Becky. So this, this is the people who are hosting, the people who are taking them in, Turkey, Colombia, Uganda, Pakistan, and Germany. Now, of course, geography has a lot to do with this. But interestingly, of course, United States is not on there. Just take note of that. Again, I know geography plays a role in that, but also take note who's not in that top five. And then the next uh, slide, Becky, if we could take a look. This is where they are coming from. This is where they are leaving from, Syria, Venezuela, Afghanistan, South Sudan, and Myanmar. So that we see this is where people are uh, going from because of various kinds of persecutions. So the statistics, again, we throw numbers like 89.3 million out there, and it's hard to really get a sense of what that means. It's hard to really get our arms around that. So I want to show, this was a video that actually Doug Scott had um, introduced to me. It was produced by The Atlantic uh, magazine. We're going to show a very brief clip of this, but it shares the stories of a couple people from Syria and what they went through in their decision 
to leave. So if we could play that. للعم للخال للجار للشارع لزحمة فرن الخبز تروح الصبح نشتري الخبز نروح نشتري الخضرة صرفة المدارس روحة الطلاب على المدارس كل هذا نشتقنه ونحلله كل شيء بسوريا غالي علينا كل شيء بسوريا غالي يا ابني أنا بتذكر لحظات السجن بتذكر أخي إنسان كثير طيب الجريمة اللي ارتكبها أنه كان يوزع إساءة للناس فقط كان ما يأكل هو بالليل وما ينام بالليل مشان يروح يوزع الأكل للناس هاي الجريمة اللي ارتكبناها نحن كأشخاص بس للأسف النظام ما عنده هيك هيك ناس تشعر إنه إنه الناس ما بتشتغل غير لأنه عندها إنسانية فقط إذا بدي أحكي لك على العذاب اللي تعذبناه بسوريا والعذاب اللي أكلناه بالسجن ما بعتقد ممكن يتخيلوا او يتصوروا العقل البشري. انا كنت بوس ايده للضابط والمحقق اللي كان معي مشان يقوسني وانا بسجن مشان ارتاح يعني انا اطلب الراحه بالموت بس ما اقدر لاقيها. بشكل كثير مختصر. For me, anyway, this is when we, this, the, the numbers are, don't always tell a story, a full story. It isn't when we hear these individuals that we begin to get a sense, perhaps, of the impact uh, that violent regimes might have on them uh, and their lives. But also, I think, especially the first woman, too, I don't know if you caught this, there's a, a deep love of their home a deep love of their home. Tatiana talked about this a little bit too, and kind of what she knew, the rhythms of life, the food that they ate, the customs that they had, and then having to be forced to leave that and to move and to be on the move, but not because they want to, but because they are forced to, like Mary and Joseph. 
again, during this season when we celebrate and have these lovely images of Mary and Joseph, and then not long after this, the scriptures tell us they were forced to move, to leave, because of violence that was about to come. In the book of Acts, we are told that Paul was talking uh, to some Greeks, and he quoted uh, one of their poems, and he said, for in him we live and move and have our being. This was Paul's way of also saying that he believed the same thing about his God, the God of Jesus. In God, we live and move and have our being. We live and move and have our being. We are people of an active faith, being called to go out and to do. So then, for those of us who have that kind of freedom, who can choose to move and live and have our being, how do we respond to those who don't have that choice? How do we respond to those who are forced to move and live and have their being? Two different kinds of people here. So for those of us who follow Jesus, who was forced to flee as a baby, how do we respond to those who have no choice? can be easy, of course. One of the interesting things uh, when we started Urban Village was people who really wanted to focus locally, which I totally get and understand. But also, we can't turn our, we can't turn away from those who are coming into our midst as well. I was reading this week about a uh, what's called Christ Ministry Center. It's located in San Diego, um, and. Uh, it started, it used to be a church. It used to be Christ United Methodist Church. And I was reading it or watching an interview, the, the pastor, Bill Jenkins, he came from the south, southeast, going to San Diego. And he said, we did all the things to try to revive this church. We had uh, revivals outside. We had all of the music. We tried to do all of these things. And it seemed like the more we tried, the fewer people who would come. <laughs> and so they decided, well, what if we turned our church into a ministry center? That's what the pastor said, Bill Jenkins. What if we turned our church into a ministry center? And the people said, well, what's a ministry center? And Bill said, I have no idea. <laughs> but maybe we are being called to change our church into something different. Maybe, Bill said, we are called to be more doers of the word than hearers of the word. And so they set about changing, totally transforming what church was for them. And that became Christ Ministry Center. So not long after that, 5,000 Haitians ended up on the streets of San Diego after being expelled from Brazil. And so the church became the heart of a refugee camp. During a five-month period, the church was sheltering up to 300 Haitians a night. Pastor Jenkins said they were sleeping on the pews, under the pews in the loft. The Haitians were a trial run for God to see, testing to see if we were serious about this. Are we really going to be doers of the word? And he said that actually they were, Pastor Jenkins was told by the UN, by the UN that theirs was the only immigrant welcome, welcoming center in Southern California, welcoming those who were coming in to their midst at that time. And now, so Becky, if you could put the last slide, is it up there now? Okay, it might be hard for you to read. These are all of the things that Christ ministry does too. All kinds of food support, there's a clothing ministry, medical services, welcoming strangers. Uh, so if you can't read it, on the lower left it says uh, in 2021 there were 27,000 bed nights. So 
uh, they, they've expanded out into other buildings. So they've provided sleeping uh, nights for uh, immigrants and asylum seekers, 27,000 in 2021, 100 plus beds available, 12 self-help and addiction recovery groups, two free clinics, 300 weekly worshipers. They still they have a couple of other congregations now that are worshiping in their, in their space, 12 babies born to immigrant mothers, 67,337 pounds of food, and it goes on and on and on. These people who are realizing we are people who have the freedom to respond to those who don't. And they are doing so in an amazing way. And so then I think about myself. What am I doing? Who have the freedom to move and live and have my being? How am I responding to those who don't have that freedom? Who are coming into our midst seeking asylum as well. And our church has done wonderful things in the ways that we welcome. In the food pantry that they've served for decades. I can't imagine how many pounds of food, Jerry, that you have had delivered and have given away over the years. So we have done those things. And so we continue to ask ourselves, friends, how will we respond? So that got me thinking, particularly after thinking about the ministry center, and we mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, uh, currently our parsonage is uh, empty. And so we are in the process of working uh, with World Relief to be and have a good neighbor team so that we will house a family seeking asylum in the U.S. to live in the parsonage for six months. And they need a team of folks to welcome them and to be present so that we can provide that for them. But then I'm wondering, do we stop there? Now, I'm saying this all of my own volition. I have not talked to anybody about this, and I have no specific plans here, and so there might be some, and I understand, let me so, like, that's a terrible idea. That's fine, I totally get that. But what if our parsonage becomes our own ministry center? What if, in addition to housing people, asylum seekers, people who need a home, all of a sudden, it starts to become other things, using this as an example of what could be done. Now, I don't know if the village of River Forest would uh, protest that. I say, let's find out. I see when I walk around River Forest and Oak Park, people, and I've done this too, you put the signs out with, here we welcome, we believe in science, and we welcome LGBTQ folks and Black Lives Matter and all of these things. Wonderful, that's amazing. So let's test that theory. <laughs> and bring into River Forest some people that are on the sign and see what will they do. Will they be as welcoming, or is it just a sign? I don't mean to pick on them. Again, I, I do this, too. I post the thing on social media. This is who I am. Look at me. I'm all welcoming and blah, blah, blah. So let's test it. And we're taking a really wonderful first step in that by housing a family seeking asylum. We don't know yet where they will come from, but we can begin to guess they must be scared, so scared. And they're wondering who will take care of us could it be a community of people who they don't know who will clean up the house and provide some meals for them and get them and let them know here's where you go shopping and here's where you find certain things and then maybe that is the first little thing that transforms some other things that we can do. People who have the choice to move around and to act and be doers of the word to be there for people who do not have that choice or forced to be in a different setting for them. And so friends, I would invite all of us to, I'm not making a permanent suggestion here, but I'm asking us to pray about it and to think about it. What might we do? What would it mean for us to be explorers, to travel to new parts of our own faith lives? We might realize 
When we do so, yes, I want to explore and see and experience all kinds of wonderful things, and we realize that it might take us just a few steps away. Let us give thanks to God that we do have those freedoms, and then let us pray about how we might be there for others who don't, remembering Mary and Joseph and the baby who were forced to flee themselves. Let's pray. Loving and gracious God, we give you thanks for being where we are. We give you thanks for the things that we take for granted. That if we want to move and travel and make decisions on our own, that we have the ability to do that. But today we also pray for the 89.3 million people who were forced from their homes because of the threat of violence or climate change, or any number of reasons. We believe, O oh Lord, that you have placed them on our hearts. And we, so we pray to try to figure out what will we do? How will we move so that others can know of your loving presence in this world? We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.